Hi, welcome to the Creative Review Podcast. I'm Eliza Williams, and today we're recording a special music-themed edition of the podcast. To join me on this quest, I have the designer and typographer Rick Banks, who's going to talk to me about design for clubs. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So the reason we're we're meeting, really, is because of your new book, Clubbed, which is a visual history of UK club history, club culture, going back to the 1980s, I think to what was for many a kind of pivotal moment in graphic design, which was the the launch of the Hacienda. Is that the sort of starting point? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Okay. Um, And just before we get into talking about it, I just thought we could talk a bit about how the book came about, because you... Did you raise money for it on Kickstarter, is that right? I did, yeah. Um, so I publish books I'm, I'm passionate about. Okay. Uh, my previous two books were about uh, football. Yeah. And uh, dance music was is another passion of mine. It's why I got into graphic design. And um, so, yeah, I had this I had this idea of of doing club music mixed with graphic design. And, and yeah, for all my career, I've thought, why isn't there been a book about club music and uh, so there isn't there aren't any others are they because I was trying yeah to I, well I did do my research I, I went on to Amazon and bought three <laughs> old books for like a quid or whatever it is yeah and um and they were all a bit horrible a bit nasty from the 90s that the layout okay. was atrocious and they they focused on the sort of humorous side of club design right whether it's like smarties packaging or M&M packaging like yeah. drug taking yeah yeah um and I wanted to flip that on its head and concentrate on the more professional side of club design that I sort of loved growing up. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And you did it, so just out of interest, why do you publish them yourself? Why not do it through a traditional publisher? Um, I just love having the freedom. I yeah. I can do whatever I want. And yeah. I'll know, because I've, I've published books for like Tashin in the past, and they'll always say, oh, let's just bang the logo on the front and make it massive. And I, I just, no, I, I want to do everything, yeah. have everything um, controlled by myself. Um, <laughs> classic designer yeah, there. Classic designer, exactly. <laughs> um, yes, because so, yeah. I should say at this point, I have it here, the book. Obviously, you can't see it listening to a podcast, but it's a very beautiful hardback book with a, a really lovely cover, which you can probably tell me exactly what it is. But to me, it looks like a sort of starry sky is that the sort of effect that you're exactly, going for? Exactly, yeah. So if I took that to a publisher, they'd be like, no, there's no way you can use that fabric. It's too expensive or something like that. So that's why I didn't want any yeah. restrictions. But yeah, it's. Um, I originally wanted a diamond dust cover. Okay. I saw, I saw this piece of art from Nick Walker, who's a graffiti artist, and I thought, oh, that's a really nice um, look and feel, sort of echoing the ethereal club atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and I realised if, if it was diamond dust, it would sort of rub off so it needs to be more hard wearing so I sourced this fabric um, which sort of has it ingrained in, in the uh, yeah in the fabric really yeah and so when you did the kickstarter did um was it it was quite a big success but did that happen quickly are there any tips you would give people for this kind of thing yeah so this was my first kickstarter my other two okay. previous books I didn't I didn't use kickstarter and um, I learned a lot um, yeah and it, it I was, I was staggered by the response. I think it was about seven grand in the first couple of days. Okay. And, uh, and what were you aiming for? Thirty. Was that Thirty, right? and it yeah. went to fifty-six. Um, yeah. So every day I was, I was clicking refresh, refresh, refresh on my computer to see it rise. Yeah. Um, but it's an amazing way for publishers to self to self promote a book and, and PR a book. Now um, it takes the risk out yeah. as well. Um, you could gauge. Um, interest and more importantly the print run mm. which is uh, which is yeah 
very good thing I think um, and, and and the admin side of things is is really interesting as well I didn't realize how sophisticated it is it automatically generates spreadsheets um, okay. or contact um, addresses for the customers you can individually add notes to specific customers which is a, a godsend because it's so many customers emailed saying, oh, can I have this name or in the back of the book or okay. can you send it to this address instead or stuff like that. Um, it's a much more personal connection, I guess, with the It, it with is. The it's always, everything's online, so it's um, easy to ac- uh, access. Um, what else? Um, Were you doing giveaways and things or just the book? That was, that was what I was going to get onto. I <laughs> totally underestimated how much shipping was because I saw on other other Kickstarters they were they were offering free shipping so I just said oh I'll go with it I'll offer free shipping okay Uh, (laughs) I didn't realise how heavy that book is because it's quite a substantial book I think it weighs nearly a kilogram right Um, so yeah I lost a lot of money it was £15 to ship a book a book abroad and I said ship anywhere so that was a mistake I did Um, and you presumably can't go back once you can't go back just have to take that okay Uh, but it was a learning curve, and, uh, and yeah, I loved every minute of it, of the Kickstarter. Also, as well, it shows you the um, uh, analytics yeah. behind it, so you can see all the referrers, where all the traffic's coming from, and, and to promote. It was, always, it was The top two referrers were Facebook and Twitter, so I pushed everything onto those two platforms because they were the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. So and did you, and did you find that you heard from any designers or DJs or anyone sort of in the scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was a really, really nice feeling. Uh, two two DJs, Richie Horton. Yeah, cool. Book. Yeah, that was super cool. Uh, yeah. I tried to uh, keep my cool, cool uh, voice on when, when I was emailing him. <laughs> Not to be too much of a fanboy. And yeah. uh, Seb Fontaine as well emailed oh. and, and did a great review for it. Um, so yeah, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of DJs as well. Um, Okay. Emailed in. Well, should we let's get into the meat of it? So it, it so it starts with the hacienda, is that it right? It does, yeah, nineteen eighty-two, I think. Yeah. And so why why then? I think that was the sort of the first um, club that got branded in a in a serious way. There was Studio Fifty Four, I think, just before that. Mm. But the hacienda is where it all started for me, especially in the UK. Um, did you go to the Hacienda? And I was too young. Was okay. Too young. Um, it's quite a because rom- I didn't either. But there's a huge romance of it, even without having been there. <laughs> there is, yeah. Uh, my sister went, and uh, yeah, growing up, it was always, oh, you go into the Hacienda, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was too young. I, I, was, I was too young to go to a lot of the clubs in the book, actually. Okay. Um, I'm only 32, so yeah, I missed the whole 90s super club era, even though I absolutely loved the music and yeah. listened to it and buy it every day. So was your route into it really from the design then? It was, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I grew up... So there was a CD called Transnation. Yeah. I, my brother had it and I absolutely loved it. And my music knowledge was was basically Spice Girls at the time, yeah. 1999, I was 13. Okay, and it's quite a turning moment. That yeah, anyway, I just isn't heard it, it in his bedroom. And it was just—it was a bit like abstract art. There was no lyrics to it. Yeah. I was like, oh, what is this? There's no artwork. Um, so that really hit a chord with me. And then, and then I got hooked. And then I started buying all the CDs. So I bought all Cream stuff, Pharaoh's mm. Swiss modernist stuff. Um, and I loved it. I loved going to spending all Saturday at the record shop and opening up these lovely intricate tactile objects that you don't get anymore. But yeah. And and, and the Designer Republic. Um, I loved their more is more approach with the gatecrasher stuff. Uh, again, I, I just I read every little every little detail on the CDs and um, 
So it's, yeah. it was CDs at this point, was it? Or was, was it, it vinyl? Seen, uh, it was both, yeah. yeah. I collected vinyl and CDs. And I, I often bought a lot of cover art, just yeah, a lot of vinyl full of cover art. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah. yeah, I, yeah. And what was it with the dance music sort of look that did it for you? Was it, the, I mean, as a sort of minimalist quality to it, was that what it was? Yeah, it was. So my, so that's what influenced me as a designer, um, was the minimalist, strong, bold graphic yeah. design, which features a lot in the book. But I was I was conscious not to, I needed to get my editor hat on rather than my designer hat on. So I put all my favourites in as well, but I also put in stuff that's not, particularly to my taste yeah. um, a bit like the back to basic stuff which is um, a lot of punk sort of reference and um, the illustrations for Pushka as well it's not really my cup of tea but I think it was important for that for, at that time yeah yes to do a sort of whole history yeah, exactly of it. yeah yeah and so what sort of strands did you see did you notice things that were you perhaps hadn't thought about before or were you so versed in the no 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 so, so the book organically grew as I contacted more designers yeah. uh, like any project the more you contact um, you more you, the more you speak to designers the, the better the project gets generally and having their input was, was fantastic um, who did you talk to who were the big ones um, so actually, I was actually when I started the book um, I sort of gave gave up within three weeks I was like oh, it's not got anything not got any legs this it won't work really okay. yeah and then um, I emailed Peter Saville uh. and he didn't <laughs> get back to me for another three weeks I was like right that's it if I can't include his work in the Hacienda there's no real point yeah. and then I just got a call random random call from Peter and he was he was fantastic he spent an hour on the phone chatting to me and um, and that just spurred me on then and as soon as I had Peter on board yeah. every designer wanted to be uh Wanted to be included. Um, yeah, we've so, done, we've done interviews here with Peter, and uh, I mean, you always have quite a long chat, but it's it's so I always feel it's a real treat. It's a because, privilege, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a real privilege. He's, there's is. nothing boring about That's him. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah, a really. Yeah. Um, I listen to it for days. Exactly, and the sort of anecdotes. There's a sort of level where it's kind of personal, even sometimes a bit, you know, gossipy and yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then the design stuff is sort of there, and yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I spoke. Yeah, I spoke to Peter, and then whenever, uh, yeah, when I got Peter on board. Um, I contacted um, Faro, so I travelled down to London, went through all their um, archive, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and there was uh, the Hacienda poster in there, one of Faro's. It was on a, it was on a little negative. Okay. And I soon realised there's not that many uh, scanning companies around in London that yeah, had a drum it's scanner. Dying art. Yeah. It's a dying art, exactly. Um, that was what's nice about the book, and why I wanted to do it was. If I didn't do it, all these images would have just vanished. Mm. It's all—it's a pre-internet era. Yeah. Um, Phil Sims as well, who, who drove all the way from London to Bolton, he—he he did a lot of work for the Renaissance um, nightclub. He said all these negatives were rotting, so he had to scan them in and retouch them heavily, and he, he went above and beyond. It was—that uh, was a key moment as well when he when he came up and just gave me all this fantastic work and. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's interesting because obviously uh, Peter Sowell's work is. It's sort of now much recognised, but mm. so much of it is, you know, even though it was really strong. I mean, when I was looking back for it, I was like really struck by actually how many, how much of it I knew when I wasn't a big kind of club goer, mm. and how much of it sort of really 
stood out in design terms. And yet, so much of it's kind of ephemeral, like it was for certain nights and certain moments, but so much love and sort of passion's gone into it. So it is, you're right to actually celebrate that, otherwise it would have just, just faded away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and also Phil had... Um, so all the analogue images were sort of rotting away, but also the digital images... So we what, because they were in different formats and stuff? So they were in a, an old software called Freehand. Oh, yeah. And l- luckily, Phil Sims had a really old computer running a, an old OS system okay. that luckily opened these files. Right. Uh, and then sort of, and then he could translate them to Illustrator files. Um, but yeah, again, if, if we waited a couple of more years, we couldn't have got those files. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I've done it at this point. Yeah, and did you interview them for the book as well, or was it more visual? It was more visual, but um, on the phone, it was great just to hear hear stories. Um, Peter had a great one. I don't know if I could uh, <laughs> if I can say it, but he said that Martin Hanna, the, the founder of um, Factory, <laughs> shot a gun above Tony Wilson's head. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because he wanted to put all the royalties from the Hacienda, uh, all the royalties from New Order into the Hacienda. Oh yes. So yeah, that didn't go didn't go down well. Yeah, there's a there's a, <laughs> there's a, a sort of brilliant but kind of wild west sort of there is, vibe yeah. to a lot of those stories. It that, is, yeah. Uh, you don't know what's yeah. true, but that was a good one. Yeah. Even if, even if it isn't true. I know exactly. <laughs> it's sort of definitely. I mean, some of it I think definitely is true, and mm. it's de- but it's definitely played into the sort of the sense of what that what it was and exactly. what was going on there. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are there other personal favourites that you have? Um, so yeah, as I said, the the cream, the cream stuff. I remember just um, buying every every sort of album, and um, and as I've already talked about the Gatecrasher stuff. Mm. I also loved Phil Sims' Renaissance work. Uh, it's weird that you, when you your memory when you're a school kid, I vividly remember on the bus reading an old mix mag, yeah, and seeing this abstract piece of art as an advert and I was like why is that what is that and, it, and it, again it, it was like the abstract music um, from that original translation CD and, and that just hit me and it was just it was so beautifully shot and um, and I found when Phil came up he showed me this I was like oh god that's just hit hit me that, that his nostalgia hit yeah. I got was, was fantastic Um and he told me it was a, some sort of greater later on. Okay. But, um, yeah, Toby McFarlane Pond shot it, and, he, and he's now gone on to become one of the most sought-after sought still-life photographers in the world. Yeah. Um, I thought that was true generally of the list of designers that are yeah. in it, that you realise how much of the UK's kind of now sort of, I guess, middle-aged design That's scene right. yeah, yeah, are yeah. kind of born out of that time. I mean, do you yeah. feel there's... Why do you think that is? I mean, often I think music maybe offers opportunities for designers that to be kind of creative. But I mean, do you think there's a reason why those sort of visuals have have become so big now? All those designers. Um, I, I think music gives you a platform, um, especially club design. Peter Savile said he, he didn't really have any brief; he could just do what he wants. Yeah, he could do what he wanted. Um, the same with the gatecrasher stuff uh, but now it's 
music, the design and music's not really there anymore. And it, it, this, the book is sort of tinged with a bit of sadness because there isn't that platform anymore. Okay. The budgets aren't there. Yeah. Um, that was one of the interesting things I learned along the way, just speaking to designers. The budgets in the 90s were absolutely staggering. Right. Um, even for these kind of things? Yeah. Okay. Even, even for sort of niche club, club CDs right. and, and campaigns. I guess those clubs were making huge amounts of money yeah, at the time. Of course, yeah, <laughs> so it's not that exactly huge. Yeah, huge, yeah and um, and yeah, we're in a different era now. Um, I, I don't think music labels or clubs don't have, they just don't have the budgets for to invest in in good studios or, or good designers. Yeah, um, which is a, a real shame. Um, Do you, were, were you seeing any? Did, I mean, how far up to the present day does it go? It goes up to this year. So okay. The, the print works uh, just launched last year in London, and that's that's an award-winning piece of work. Uh, in my opinion, it's it's a beautiful logo. It has a, a really good idea in it. It's so the print works um, is situated in the old uh, printing factory. Of, I think they printed um, the Daily Mail mm. and the Evening Standard. So they've gone in and turned it into a multi-use uh, venue, uh, nightclub being one of those uses. And um, for the logo, they wrapped this nice t- um, type around a cylinder, so it sort of mimics the the printing press, which is super okay. nice. So there are there are some instances where it is still still there, but generally, it's in my opinion, I think club music is nowadays yeah the design of it I mean there's a lot sort of said about the kind of demise of the scene in, yeah. in terms of sort of gentrification and money e- and exactly yeah so a lot of the again the stories in there Bill writes about it, it a lot of it's the councils shutting them down mm. um, struggling to get the licenses um, and I also I also think as well millennials now um, I read an article last week they're, they're not going out as much. Yeah. Um, they're not drinking as much, not taking drugs as much. Um, and I think it's cool to say you're sober now for a certain amount of weeks. So yeah. there's a massive shift in, in in attitude as well towards clubbing for the youngsters. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll rise again. Maybe. I, I do. I think, I think, yeah, one sort of generation comes I think that will react against the other generation so yeah I think it will rise again yeah because yeah. there's a lot there's a huge sort of professionalism that came around clubs when you think which you know they you're right about the Hacienda being a brand in that sense that they sort of thought very carefully about their look or maybe Peter thought about that and was yeah. given the freedom to make that happen but with fabric and all those you know super clubs they sort of they became very professional in a sense yeah, and and maybe there's a kind of room for it to go back to more of a sort of DIY thing again. I'm yeah, so it did, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, it started off as DIY, DIY sort of effect. And then, yeah, I think the Macintosh came in and, and then sort of yeah. made it all professional. But yeah, I'd like to see that. And I think um, one of the examples at the back called Left, a, night, a nightclub, nightclub called Left Alone has that sort of DIY effect and it's just a couple of graphic designers doing it. And yeah. I... I don't know if they do big nights or not, but I just love the love the design, love the 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 work ethic of those two, um, and that's why I put it in the book. Yeah. yeah, and just out of interest, it's only UK only. Did you consider looking elsewhere, or did it just seem more straightforward to keep it to the UK? So, yeah, so I originally did um, a digital little scrapbook. I got load of low res JPEGs from the internet, um, and a friend actually bought a lot of mix mag and music magazines, old. Um, uh, yeah, old mix mags and music magazines around, and I cut all them out. 
and I started a sort of physical scrapbook and a digital scrapbook and I actually did feature a lot of foreign nightclubs in there and a lot of, and electronic dance music logos and stuff but I think the book needed a, a focus and it just opened a can of worms putting all the international clubs in there mm. um, yeah and I wanted to celebrate the UK too yeah. So, yeah, it does. It becomes a bit of a it's sort of a history of club culture, but it's also a history of UK design because of the fact there's all these amazing names. Yeah, I mean, one yeah. thing that did strike me, and maybe this is to do with the times we're in, perhaps, but was just how male <laughs> the scene is. Like it felt that there was yeah. there were very few. I mean, I think the design were of you know often is quite male, and p- particularly perhaps this conjunction with music. But uh, but did that strike you at all? Yeah, it did, and. Um Cecilia, who's, who does all the Secret Sunday stuff, she's in there. She's the only woman in there, which is, is shocking. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think graphic design has to change. Yeah. It's still, a, it's still if, if we're being honest, it's a, a men's working club, really. It, and it needs to change. I don't know how, but um, uh, especially, especially with working mums as well. My wife's a graphic designer. Mm. And just to get that flexibility is now really hard in the design world. It really? shouldn't be. Okay, yeah. Um, because that's yeah, often the crunch point, I think, is, is when you have a family. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she worked in London and yeah for, for ten years. And, uh, yeah, I was conscious of that in, in the book, and I did realise it was an all, all boys club. Um, but I think it, I think it kind of the music world is a bit like that anyway. Although the DJ scene, you know, there were the there DJ, female DJs. Yeah, she, know, yeah. Nina Kravitz just got voted number one DJ in the world, and I think that's the first time a woman's got voted as a as a DJ, number one DJ, which is great. Yeah, and I think that, yeah the scene is changing. Uh, for the better, yeah. Uh, I think graphic design needs to, yeah, do the same. Do the same, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. I think we'll leave it there. But thanks yeah, so excellent. much for no, coming no and talking to us. Well, and right. uh, you can find out more about Rick's book on the Creative Review website at creativereview.co.uk.